0: Writing Matters with Dr. Troy Hicks is a Writable podcast. Find more episodes and subscribe on your favorite platforms. And if you want to learn how to grow great writers, check out writable.com. In this episode, Troy speaks with Lisa Heifel and Sarah Landis, better known as two of the HyperDoc girls and co-founders of the HyperDoc movement. Lisa and Sarah are acclaimed authors, veteran educators turned instructional coaches, and both are Merit Fellows. They share a multitude of wonderful tips around focusing feedback to student needs and tying student interests to writing instruction.
1: Welcome to our next episode. Today we're on with Lisa Highfill and Sarah Landis, affectionately known as the HyperDot Girls uh, in the spirit of being from California. Good afternoon to both of you. How are you today?
2: Great. We are great. Thank you. Super excited to chat with you.
1: Thanks. I'm glad to have you on today and I look forward to learning more about your current work as well as uh, the connections that you're making with HyperDocs to Writable. And I thought I'd start by just asking each to tell us a little bit about where you're at in your journey as an educator. I know we all have different paths and we're all kind of at different points in our careers and maybe you could tell our audience just a little bit about each of you and, and where you're at right now.
2: I was a classroom teacher for about 12 years and then um, I've been um, most recently a literacy coach for five years and then this year working as an induction coach as well as a um, K-12 professional development coach Um, and uh, I've had the opportunity to work um, in different districts in California but also had a chance to work in New York City um, in schools all over the different boroughs there so just um, loving what I do and loving the journey, and just you know following the incredible path of education. And more recently, partnering with Lisa, um, and she'll tell you about what we do together. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so I um, was a classroom teacher for 20 years in the same district as Sarah. That's how we know each other. And then I got um, put into the role of an instructional technology coach, which has now come into uh, this year. We're called integration specialists. So we're finally moving away from talking about the tech as the main point and looking at the whole integration. So I've been doing that for the last six years and absolutely find that I love working with adults now. It's been really great to work with our teachers in our district um, uh, to work on lesson design. And that's kind of what uh, got us into um, HyperDoc work is that we find that if we could summarize exactly what we do, we um, design digital lessons with teachers to change the way they are delivering instruction and to change the way students are experiencing learning. I mean, that kind of sums up really quickly. But it is we do.
2: And we've seen that lesson design impacts every teacher, no matter what you teach, where you teach, or who you teach. Mm -hmm. Um, We can all get behind this idea of lesson design. And as, you know, 21st century, well, we're 19 years into that century. But um, just what does the tech do for us? And how do we get ahead of it as educators? So it's been a total labor of love. We love it so much. Um, Working with, you know, um, learners of all ages, really. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and of course, you have the book, which uh, I think I first heard about when I met Lisa at a conference, maybe two years ago or so. Um, Do you want to say anything about the book or your companion website for HyperDocs that uh, people might want to be aware about?
3: Yes, the Hyperdoc Handbook is a handbook that teaches you how to create digital lessons and really what are these things called Hyperdocs. They're, they're way more than um, a, a digital worksheet. That is definitely not the intention. The intention behind them is that they follow good lesson design getting kids to explore before you explain, and then it's the application of knowledge. So we really, through the book, it's emphasized getting kids to explore, explain, apply. um, And that's how we build our lessons. Our uh, website, hyperdocs.co, is full of, Um, podcasts and webinars and blog posts but it also has hosts our teachers give teachers site which is this
2: incredibly um, crowdsourced um, resource where teachers are sharing their lessons and so it's this bank of um, digital lessons that teachers we say you can go on and you can give one (laughs) if you're ready to share your lesson with others or you can take one go shopping Um, If you teach, you know, fourth grade and you're looking for a science lesson, someone else is teaching fourth grade science as well and probably has shared a lesson for you. So um, our Teachers Give Teachers community has, oh my gosh, just blown us away with, um, we say, we always say they're like the kindest teachers on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so the HyperDocs um, movement has just been a chance to bring um, passionate teachers together and creating digital lessons and sharing them with others. It's been amazing.
1: Fantastic. And I thank you for curating that community and providing that for other educators. It's really a valuable resource in addition to all the great resources with the HyperDocs. So this transitions us really well. Um, I've been uh, talking with all the guests about this idea that we could sit here and be philosophical for the next half hour, 45 minutes, but we want to get to the nitty gritty and think about the go-to teaching strategies for you right now, and especially with the teaching of writing. And I know there are probably easily a dozen things that you could talk about that work really well for teaching writing. But um, if each of you had to pick, uh, what is something that seems to be working particularly well uh, right now that uh, in your work with teachers and in your work in classrooms, students are really responding to when it comes to teaching writing?
2: So um, one of the things that I work with students K-12 and teachers of all ages, um, but one of the things that we keep coming back to lately is this idea of like, micro pieces, so small little writing pieces, um, balanced with the macro like longer um, pieces. And what we're finding is that for kids who struggle to write a couple of smaller, um, more succinct writing pieces are nice scaffolds in preparation for a longer piece. Um, uh, For example, students might write a six word memoir before we, uh, to kind of develop some keywords and ideas before they write like a memoir essay. Um, Or we might have students create like like a PSA video or a poster in preparation for um, like an argumentative or opinion type piece or an, you know, action oriented um, petition or whatnot. Um, We are also finding that it works um, as a great way to go back after you've written like a longer piece and then synthesize learning into fewer words and whatnot. So we all know that You know, we live in the world of short writing pieces, you know, 140 characters and emails is quick and succinct and Facebook posts and all that kind of stuff. And so that's the world that our students are growing up in. So just really bringing attention to that as a teacher of writing and saying like, hey, let's write a couple small pieces or where is the place for this in in your life as a writer? and where is the place for the longer pieces and when do we elaborate versus when do we condense? And so um, that has been something that I'm finding both teachers and kids are feeling really successful with because it's not as daunting or scary. Um, and then on the flip side, just seeing students challenge themselves and, and there's both type of writer sitting in our classrooms. So some really feel successful with less words, And some do a great job with elaboration and freak out when we say, okay, now shrink that down. (gasps) What? You know, so there's a place for both. So, um, so I've just been really enjoying seeing the growth in writing with that balance and just really teaching that strategically, Um,
3: yeah. Did you want to share? Something? Well, I kind of wanted to just share a little bit about how I. I know we're so teachers have so much content to teach, and there's so much for them to fit in. And so from the digital lens, um, I talked to teachers about. So you want your students to be able to type, uh, you know, in the in the computer lab, and so you're putting them on typing games. How about we start a digital writer's notebook? And then they have an authentic purpose to be doing that typing and that practice, and they're getting the writing in. Now, I'm a big proponent of our writer's notebook, uh, and I want kids writing in their writer's notebook every day. But I also think that that could carry over into the computer lab, and they can begin to do their um, stream of conscious writing or their just quick journal writes on uh, just a Google Doc every time, just put it at the top, your new thinking. And to be able to see how that can also, you know, cover the typing practice, it's the real application of the typing. Um, and it can also then be used to take further um, through editing and revising really easily, and even publishing. It kind of saves multiple steps, so. And then even just to add on as a strategy is using the voice notes
2: um, for our students who have oral expressions as a strength and written expression as an area of need um, for students to be able to click and talk mm-hmm. and see that they do have something to say and it, yeah. to see it actually physically unfold on the paper has been so, yeah. the paper that, yeah. has been invaluable for, amazing. <laughs> yeah. for students. So, um, I mean, most struggling writers
3: are incredibly expressive yes. with um, orally. And so, um, you yeah. know, what was amazing, I worked with a student with special needs mm-hmm. and he um, used the voice recording and got it on there. And we thought that he struggled in all areas of writing. Well, once that he got his paragraph down, uh, you know, through the voice typing on the document, he was really good at editing and revising that piece. Like he knew where all the punctuation needed to go, all the commas and the teacher and I looked at each other, like we just didn't even know he had that capability because he never got to the point of having that chunk of writing on that doc. It was very eye opening. Um, so it was kind of exciting to see. Not balance. all the time. We don't want it all the time. You know, balance is, is really important, but.
2: Um, Can I share one more strategy? <laughs> I can't help myself. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I've got like five follow-up questions for all this, but yeah, share the other strategy That's really good. quickly.
2: That's a good question. It really made me yeah. reflect on like, what, what do I pull out of my back pocket quite a bit when, I, when there's kids in front of me? And another one um, with little, with little writers is using your hand as a graphic organizer um that's been something that I'm finding I am using more and more and so you know in the middle what is this text mostly about if you're doing like some summary writing you know um one reason and so just using I think our hands and you can do so many in scene one scene two scene three if you're orally telling a story with a buddy Mm -hmm. um, I'm just trying to give students something that they can use all the time you know how kids tend to like wait for a graphic organizer to like <laughs> fall from the heavens like I'm not gonna really start until my graphic organizer arrives and so I'm always thinking like well so <laughs> like how are you gonna get started and what are you gonna do in the you know and so just building um kids ability to use something readily um anytime and not you know, there's that learned helplessness that I'm always wanting to do away with, you know, and with writing because it can be so scary. Um, And of course we know that oral rehearsal of ideas is super important. So to have kids practice telling and storytelling and whatnot, um, and using their hand to help them organize their thoughts, I think is um, one of my favorite go-to strategies in developing writers. Yeah.
1: Wonderful. So one of the things I really appreciate about what you're saying with those micro pieces is looking at that as both a pedagogical strategy, but also as a genre of writing. I I think that's a really important move to help students understand that, yes, in fact, something as small as a tweet or a social network post has meaning and has intention and has audience. I think that's really important. Also, just wondered with a quick follow-up question, so with the voice-to-text, I'm assuming you're, you're just using a built-in tool, like the built-in um, voice-to-text tool in Google Docs, or are you using a different app or website, or how, how are you inviting students to use voice-to-text?
3: Just the, um, on Google Docs, just using the um, voice text. So, it's free right on the doc, you know, we're not, we haven't been using another program. and no, you can use it on
2: slides now, which is really nice. Yeah. So- we try to, I try and encourage students to see the, um, the speaker notes underneath the Google slide as a blank piece of paper, because that's really all it is. It just can keep going. And so because yeah, you can put right. your cursor in the speaker notes now, you can speak. <laughs> you can use your speaker notes as speaker notes. That's um, and so I've been trying to just. Um, that's a we, great
3: place for feedback, we develop, feedback. Yeah, right? exactly. And so, so everyone can give feedback, even if they're not typing yes, that feedback. Yes,
2: yes. Yeah. But I think, and it's not perfect, Mm -hmm. I mean, it is flawed. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what happens is they see words appear on the screen and um, in front of a paper, that blank piece of paper is so scary for so many writers. Um, Mm -hmm. And like just today I was working with a student and she is terrified of writing and just doesn't consider herself a writer, period, end of story. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're this dramatic storyteller. And she always, every time I see her, she runs up and has something really fun and interesting to tell me. So I used to use the voice memo on my phone to record students' storytelling and then play it back and say, did you oh, hear yeah. all that story that you have? Uh-huh. Um, and then now let's type it. But to cut out that process, uh-huh. you can uh-huh. just kind of you know cut and go straight there. And again, it's not perfect, but sometimes it's volume. They just need to see something emerge on there yeah. to see. You sure. know, um, yeah. So it's been awesome, simple and a definite go-to.
1: Fantastic. I really appreciate that idea of helping students just get the words out there, recognize that they have something to say, and then as we would suggest, even if they're writing with pen and pencil, or if they're typing it, go back later and then polish it up. It's wonderful. So kind of turning the corner here then, thinking and they've got the words out, (laughs) what Mm -hmm. do we do then? How do we provide feedback? What are are some of your go-to strategies? Uh, for providing feedback to students, um, what's working well for you, whether it's an enhanced by technology or whether it's just a strategy that you use to uh, respond to students quickly and efficiently um, in a timely manner so they can use that feedback? What's working well for you when it comes to uh, feedback on student writing?
2: I mean, there's certainly the tried and true, like, you know, conferring with kids. Um, I, the beautiful thing about writing is there is something there to work with, so it's easy easier than reading um because you can kind of see what to work with um and so obviously, I still always want teachers having face to face conference time um and and mean of course they're all commenting you know in the docs in the margins of the docs um but the kids. <laughs> Unfortunately, they do learn quickly, like, resolve, resolve, you know. Um, So we still (laughs) want to build face-to-face time to do that work. Um, I think moving away from, I call it triage conferring, where you're just, like, running around and just kind of hitting on needs randomly. We want to get to where we're strategically building a small group based on a feedback need. So, like, I know that my kids are struggling with transitions. I'm going to pull these four kids, and we're going to focus on transitions. And they're all working on the same thing. So, um, and then beyond that we build, um, I have a great teacher I work with closely and we do differentiation um, like centers almost where based off of um, like a checklist or a rubric. So like a group of kids will kind of self-select and they'll say, I really want to work on, my conclusion. I really want to work on elaborating, you know, I want to work on author's craft. And so they'll kind of like go in into those little groups and then I'll just come by with a tool. So I'll say, here's, you know, a tool and I'll just like leave it there and then they can help each other. So that's always been great. Um, but my new thing Mm -hmm. with secondary is helping teachers see the distinction between grading and feedback. um,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: I think they're so overwhelmed with you know the stack of papers and so i say well like you know what their grade is and most teachers yeah their gut tells them um you know like what essentially a grade would be and i say well what's taking up all your time because i'll say you know 15 to 20 minutes per essay and they're like it's the feedback and so I, and then my follow-up question are teachers or students reading your feedback well they kind of just like flip look at the grade and then toss it and so um so then my whole idea was well what if we ask the students what do you want feedback on and let them say I was working on this with this particular piece can you please tell me how I'm doing and I know like you know, all the research says that our conferring and our feedback should be based on um, where students are currently working, like their zone of proximal development, like, oh, they're just about to try something new. That's where we're supposed to be providing the feedback. And so um, why not just ask the students, like, what do you want feedback on with this piece, instead of me doing all this feedback that you don't care about?
3: (laughs) I I love that. I think it's really getting to the heart of, you know, it's sort of that passive versus active learning. So instead of them being passive with their feedback, they're being more active in that inquiry with it. So they have to actually think and tell you and, and, then, and then have something there. Like if I, I worked on this it better show that you worked on that, on that piece. I love that in.
2: That's been a big aha yeah. uh-huh for me, I think, lately um, in working with high school. Um, in the secondary, just English teachers, they're so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're doing all this wonderful work, and you're such well intentioned educators that are like, you know, not spending time with their families <laughs> because they're grading essays. And then the kids aren't really valuing all that work. And so, how do we manage that process? Um, and so, even if it's as simple as like a student writing on their um, the top of their paper, like, can you please give me feedback on blank? Or um, I don't know, there's different ways, mm-hmm. a post it note, <laughs> you know, there's <laughs> Definitely, some some ways to do that,
3: and there's digital ways Absolutely. to do that as well. I know Absolutely. there's a lot of programs that can offer that opportunity, that focus to yeah. highlight that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: sure. And I'm kind of curious too. Then, do you find that by just making that pivot and inviting teachers to to pose the question, does that also change when and where that feedback comes in the process like i'm wondering if it's almost the back door to teachers to say hey you got to do this while they're revising rather than at the very end have you seen any shift in that as well or is that still maybe yet to come
2: absolutely i mean i think it definitely brings an awareness to um how both people are working on the piece. You know, the teacher's there and the student is there and like, but really you're just guiding that student. And so I think um, I am finding more and more that the grading takes less time and the feedback at the end if you're part of the process the whole time. Um, but I think the key thing is not like what I think you're supposed to be doing, but like for the student owning up. I always remember yes. Carl Anderson said, like if you continuously correct every perfect little edited, you know, piece, then you get really good at editing and the students themselves never get any better. (laughs) And so you, teacher, are this awesome editor, but the kid, you know, so I always think about that. Like, what am I doing and what are the students doing? Um, But absolutely, like throughout the process is, our. (laughs)
3: Well something that um, you know to get into that um, whether it's with peers or on their own I really think about being um, culturally responsive to our students and I'll tell you one place that they are just fierce editors and revisers and that's with their videos they make you know if you talk to um, a student who has a YouTube channel and what kind of a video would they put up Oh, and how many times they revise and edit it. And so we've been working a lot with our teachers with WeVideo lately and with the most amazing outcome that we did not foresee happening. So trying to get that authentic purpose to their writing and so to publish it, not just in on paper form, but to, to make it into a video. But so we thought, oh, this is great. We're giving authentic purpose. They're able to share their story in a whole different way. You know, the, Aside from that whole buy-in, as students were doing their voiceovers and reading their pieces out loud and then listening to them on the Wii video, you know, as they were editing, they're like, this sounds terrible. This doesn't make any sense. And it wasn't that I got to edit my video, it's I got to work on my writing first before I can put this voiceover in. And students were going back and we found them just authentically editing because they were able to hear it in a different way um, through, uh, you know, the use of this tool. And then when they went to go put the video clips to match what they were saying, they're like, oh, this order, it doesn't make sense. And it um, just opened our eyes to this whole new world of uh, revision, of motivation for revising and editing. I saw, I, did, I was doing it today with a, um, um, a group of resource students, and this student redid um, his voiceover about four times. And I said, wow. um, "Why do you keep redoing it?" He goes, "I want to say it just right." And I said, "You know, that's just like what a writer does when you're when you're actually writing the piece. It's kind of the same thing. I hope you know." That can carry over. Um, so, I know it's something that we're super excited about seeing um, here. We thought we were all about the end product of creating a video, but really it was the process of making that video that was the the big beneficial piece to it that came out with um, not only the motivation, teaching kids the motivation because we tell them, yeah, you should revise and edit. They're like, whatever you're just telling us how many times over the years did
2: you did you read it out loud to hear how it sounds
3: well now now it's going (laughs) forward
2: suddenly they're
3: reading it out loud to hear how it sounds yeah you're going to publish (laughs) it and people are going to actually see your video because there's a purpose for your writing (laughs) and then
2: it's fun too like you were saying then you start thinking about audience and tone and all those other things and it's like okay if this is an informational use your documentary voice yeah (laughs) if this is a narrative you want to use your best storytelling with dramatic pauses and so you're teaching the the other components of writing for an audience yes. without having you know just yes. kind of sneaks in there
1: <laughs> that's awesome that's fantastic that is fantastic and so they they are really picking up on that and and looking at it from the standpoint that yeah we're making this public and it's gotta just it's gotta sound right uh, and it's also got to be written well in order to be able to be read well That that's really incredible so
3: Working with that um, resource teacher today and being a reflective teacher as we're watching the kids. Everyone felt like a a published uh, author today. You know, they were, you know, these are struggling writers. If you saw it on paper, you'd be like, Oh, I have to do a lot of work with the student. But then when you saw them empowered to do it in a different medium. Um, and again, I'm going to go back to balance. I don't want that all the time. But if we can help kids shift how they view themselves as a writer through the way that, you know, the medium that they're choosing to express themselves, I'm all for it.
1: I'm just curious, what, how do they get from the we video to the world? What, what's, the, what's the technical step that makes the most sense for you?
3: So right now, um, the videos uh, live in their account in WeVideo. There's a link we can link to them. So we can then, we um, in our HyperDoc lessons that progress through, it's kind of in the apply part. All right, here's where you're going to now create your video. And then at the end, we have the share piece. And we give them links to um, help them to um, turn that in. And so one of my favorite ways is Maybe a Google Form. They turn the link to their video into a Google Form. But I'm also using Wakelet lately to curate kids, and they and you can have collaborators now. So uh, students are turning turning their videos into Wakelet, which is it almost looks like a like they've created a blog post with everyone's video in one place. And immediately, here's my favorite part: instead of watching one video at a time in the classroom. Uh, We actually have a viewing day, and they go back through and view each other's videos, and then comes the feedback to each other's. Um, It's a whole process, and again, we use, um, we can curate that process using a Google form, and actually collecting that feedback in the form that then students see the spreadsheet of feedback, and it's kind of like this continuous loop. And the motivation is they want to see everyone else's Mm -hmm. video. And then my favorite is when they watch someone's that's kind of went overboard and elaborate. They're like, "I didn't know we could do that. Mm-hmm. Can I can I do mine again?"
1: I'm like,
2: "We mm. call that positive. Peer okay, pressure. positive peer pressure. I guess you could do it again
3: if you want to <laughs> do that. If you want to turn in one more time. Yeah,
1: if you must.
3: If you <laughs> must. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of neat how it, I'm a proponent of using tech when it solves a problem for you mm-hmm. or it helps." Um, do something that you never could have done before. So kind of playing around with digital tools like a Wakelet or even a Google Form has been a really neat process to um, actually conserve time in your classroom too. Not, instead of sitting and watching it and everyone used to write on the Post-it their feedback and they'd say, good job, you did good. You know? and so we actually can take that time to, to give that feedback you know, or what that feedback looks like.
2: I will say too, like I, you know, teaching in the era of the author's chair where everyone one at a time comes up and they read their writing and the whole idea of one at a time author chair is just, you just don't see that very often anymore. You don't have to because they can all be looking at each other's Mm -hmm. anytime, anywhere. Um, But that being said, I was in a classroom, an ELD classroom in high school the other day, and they did like a little film festival to share their videos, and these are um, like newcomers to the country, super shy, and they put them, they were so proud of their videos, so they published their narratives, so they did narrative publishing on um, WeVideo. But what was so cool about it is that they were able to put in the video footage from their phone. So this one, you know, this guy, he had his little, um, he had video of the concert of his favorite, you know, music star from Mexico. And he had, I mean, and his face just like lit up when he saw it on the big screen, you know, in class. And so it's funny because there's just so many different ways to reimagine Mm -hmm. what sharing and audience and all that stuff looks Mm -hmm. like now. Um, And so we have such unique
3: opportunities to vary the way that we share work. Um, Depending on what so. your objectives and goals are. I love when I give the kids, all right, I want you to explore everyone's writing and then I want you to sit, uh, go you know, into some synthesis of what are some patterns you're noticing on the topic they're talking about. I can actually get to the next level of my teaching by giving them a motivation to read or a, a lens to read through of other pieces. So we're kind of getting into student created content to teach each other. And then we can drive them back into, then students create the content that other kids are reading and learning from, and then motivated to synthesize. What patterns are you noticing uh, around this topic based on what your classmates have written? So again, depends on what you want. Uh, this is coming, Sarah um, does the, a film festival for our entire district. So talk about the ultimate in publishing.
0: Well, and I, know, having,
3: I mean, and I know, like, some you know newcomer
2: ELD students might not be submitting for the you know citywide, districtwide film festival, but to have that space yeah, in class yeah. is pretty powerful. But um, yeah, I mean, I think there's so much. I just pulled up a, um, a hyperdoc that I um, had created just with this idea of peer revision and peer review and that kind of thing. And just it's really neat because it's so easy now. Link up your writing, and you all link up mine, and they work on the same doc and um, they're complimenting each other on the dock, and, and it just walks them through the process of how to work with a partner, and the checklist is embedded in there. Um, <clears throat> there's fun videos where one of my favorite go-to videos is um, this video of Steph Curry. Sorry, we're Warriors girls over here, <laughs> um, <laughs> but he doesn't love Steph Curry. Um, but he, there's this video where he used to go back and replay the draft reports that were written about him because he believed he oh. was constantly getting better. And so there's this great little clip and it's really short and I show it a couple times and he's reading out loud the reports of um, ways that he could improve. Um, and we just talk about how writers you know, set a purpose to go back and how being willing to do that work is the first step. But anyway, it's just great because you can just um, put those resources, tuck those right into the lesson um, and encourage the students to talk to each other and work off each other, you know, so it's just awesome to see all the different ways to um, build that revising and that peer work.
1: That's wonderful. And so what I think is really great about what you've described so far is that relationships are at the core of all these teaching processes, thinking about the teaching of writing, the feedback, the ways that teachers give feedback to students, that you invite students to give feedback to one another, the way that you make the writing public and have an audience relationship is at the heart of it so in some ways you've already answered this final question about what fuels you and what drives you and what gives you purpose as instructional coaches but what else would you like us to know as as you're thinking about your own work as uh instructional coaches or even your own work as writers or what you see as being just central to the whole goal of education what what drives you what fuels you what's your mantra (laughs)
2: I think for me, um, I just, be a, being a writer, um, writing every day, um, <clears throat> understanding that writing does happen every day, um, whether it's oral rehearsal of storytelling with a girlfriend over, you know, cocktails or if it's um, sitting down to draft a work email. I mean, we, we write and we live our lives and we just don't see it or value it as, as much as we should. Um, I don't think that we call ourselves writers in general. Um, and so when working with students, I think they also deserve and need to feel that they, too, are writers. Um, we It's just a form of expression, <clears throat> and we express ourselves in so many different ways, and so... Um, I just really believe in like living that life as a writer and like really paying attention to it, noticing it and naming it for students so that they can turn and do the same so that they recognize like, oh my gosh, you just told that great story to your friends at lunch. I bet you have a good story to tell, you know, and just kind of like helping students see that they um, they have a voice and um, writing is an, a form of expression along with dance and so many other forms of expression. And so... I just don't think people value themselves um, as much as they should. And so I just so deeply want every child to really see themselves as writers because it's in there, every every single one of us. Um, and so the best way I think to portray that is to do that writing in front of them. So anytime I'm in a classroom, it was so cute. I nudged a new teacher today. I said, you know, we were writing about um, <clears throat> developing a theme and I said, hey, just grab your notebook and start writing, like, in front of the kids, and he's like, well, what if they copy? I'm like,
1: "Mm -hmm." (laughs) 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 mm-hmm. But if they do, like,
2: they're, you're modeling adult thinking, and Mm -hmm. so they're seventh graders, and they need to learn adult thinking, and so that's okay, you know, but do it. Do what you're asking them to do. Live it with them, um, and then also remember that as a teacher, you're a writer, you have thoughts, put them out there, you know, so, um, so that's, I think, what fuels me, what keeps me going, and just looking at every single child and just saying, like, you have something important to say, whether you believe it or not, like, Mm -hmm. you do, you know, so that's always been a really important piece to being a teacher of writing.
3: So when I think for for me, what defines me um, and fuels me, I'm going to throw out a quote here by one of my favorites, Mm -hmm. Susan Sontag. And her quote, love words, agonize over sentences, and pay attention to the world. I think if you saw me in the classroom, that would be exactly it. I'm a big word nerd and love to pay attention to words. And so whether I'm doing a read aloud or writing, um, I call them showstoppers. And sometimes I just have to stop and be like, I'm so curious about this word first of all I can't pronounce it and and it seems like I can't move on because I need to know what this means and the kids think oh here she goes you know or they think I'm bird walking or I'm off topic again so I get out my computer and I model you know digitally let's look it up let's get google to pronounce it for me let's play with this word and care about it and just don't pass it over because you're too busy um And I think I want to model what curiosity and wonder looks like. And so I always try it out. One year it was, um, I said, you know, I really love the word nevertheless. And as a writer, I want to use that someday really well in my writing. And they're like, what? Why do you love it? I'm like, oh, it's such a great word. And so let's find it everywhere in books you've seen it, because then we'll figure out how to use it correctly. Because it's sort of like you're going along in a sentence, and you make a left turn when nevertheless comes. And so then every once in a while throughout the rest of the year, they're like, I found a nevertheless sentence. Like, collect it. We need this. We need to learn how to use that in our writing and making them notice and pay attention and then care and then giving them that time to um, explore and and wonder about words. And I know it sounds crazy, but if you model that, you'll get your class to start doing that and and to start caring. It's getting away from that old list of vocabulary words to words I care about, starting lists. I like lists.
1: (laughs) I like that, words I care about. So I know this is probably gonna be very difficult to do as I even ask it, but in in a tweet-worthy chunk, What's next for HyperDocs? Like, what should we be out on, on the lookout for? As you're thinking about what's coming next for your website or for any professional development or online events or things like that, can you can you That's give us a just a, a quick preview awesome. of what's happening with HyperDocs? It's
3: easy, two forty yeah. characters because it's all under wraps right now. We have big plans Uh-oh. for HyperDocs in 2019, <laughs> and um, our website is under major overhaul, and we are excited to share that. Uh, in hopefully in June of this year at uh, maybe at ISD or around that time. So hyperdocs.co is going to have a whole new look and makeover.
1: All right. Well, hopefully I'll I'll hold you to that. When I see you in Philly, I want to see the new website. That sounds good. (laughs) All right. Well, Lisa, Sarah, thank you so much for your time today. Greatly appreciate what you do for teachers and for students and for all of us by sharing your resources. So freely and openly uh, through the HyperDocs website and Teachers Gift Teachers.
0: Writing Matters with Dr. Troy Hicks is a Writable podcast. Discover more episodes and subscribe on your favorite streaming platforms. Or check out filmed episodes on YouTube. Writable offers more than 600 writing prompts and assignments with a range of feedback and assessment tools to help you build more purposeful, proficient writers. Learn more at writable.com.